2: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler (laughs) Sandies.
3: Yeah. You don't uh, you don't make friends that way. And in New York, you could be like, "Hey man, let's go to this deli and get a sandwich." And I'd be like, "Yo, I fuck with you. You know the best delis." Mm-hmm. And you take me to a, a fucking corner store and be like, "Hey dog, let's let's eat here. I right, beat your ass." <laughs> Yep, yep, yup! there it is, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another phenomenal episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we dive deep deep into the pockets of black conspiracy theories and we finally work to prove that the P in Swaggy P actually stands for proletariat that's right Nick Young has been a Marxist this entire time his whole basketball career was just a political statement and you motherfuckers weren't paying attention the man is trying to introduce equality in a different way in America and you guys have been treating him like a fool but not me I get it Swaggy proletariat I'm aware of the work that you're doing. I'm your host Langston Kerman. As always, very excited to be here. I'm pumped. I'm feeling good. I took a big old dump before I got in. So I'm (laughs) I'm empty. I'm loose. You know what I mean? You gotta come in loose and buddy, I'm loose. And you know who else is loose? You know who else is? I have to imagine takes big dumps and feels good about them is my guest today. <laughs> my guest today he's such a he's such a funny fucking guy. He's so hilarious. You know him from his work on on Sherman Showcase. You know him from Comedy Central. You know him most importantly from his brand new sketch show called Sneak This on BR Kicks. So funny, so talented. Give it up for my guest, Mister Rob. Hey,
4: yeah. Fuck I did you. not know that about Swaggy Pete.
3: Oh yeah! Oh, it's it's all <laughs> it's all in there. It pay makes attention.
4: sense. He he shot the three and then turned around because he didn't want to look at capitalism. It yeah. all makes sense. Yeah,
3: he, he's like <laughs> you all are are making the mistake of celebrating these big grand uh, achievements when we should be sharing it, mixing mm-hmm, it amongst mm-hmm. the people. You know. For sure, for sure. <laughs> you seem sold, and that's that's why that's why I like you, Rob. It's how easily you're swayed by my bullshit. You came to us today. I don't want to. I don't want to fuck around here, Rob. Okay. I don't. I don't, don't want to gibber and jabber here because Let's you came to it. us today with a a conspiracy theory that that I said this to you already. That number one, I had never heard of before in my life. This this wasn't on my radar. I wasn't, you know, I keep my ear to the conspiracy theory streets. And this one, this, this one ain't buzzing, number one. But then number two also is one that I didn't realize a person could be as passionate about as you've described your mother to be about this one. So this is exciting. And I'm going to make sure I, I, I get the phrasing exactly as you gave it to me. You said, my mama told me.
2: White gravy is for white people, and brown gravy is for black people.
4: That's correct. Tell me yeah. more. Okay. So I grew up in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Pretty black city. All black sure. surroundings. <laughs> High school, 99% black, except for white Mike, and his name wasn't Mike. Okay. Like, uh, yeah. You know, Principal was Black. that
3: a a play on that Mr. Cooper spinoff? Thing?
4: It, it was it was a play on the Wayne's brothers character,
3: right? That it wasn't yeah, Mr. Yeah. Cooper; it was Wayne's brothers. Before and then didn't Nick he get Frino, his own spinoff Nick on Frino. the WB?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Freno yeah. with a do rag sleeping <laughs> on the couch, white Mike. That's what we call the one white person in our school. <laughs> Great. Yeah, So I get to college. I get to the University of Georgia. A uh, school that I think at the time was eight percent black. a mm. like complete culture shock. First time really being around white people, like like all day, every day. You know. And those
3: are those are those big corn fed white people. Those ain't just uh that's not like a, a casual introduction into white people that that sort of look and move like you do. These are big old country whites. Yeah, yeah.
4: No, they're not the whites I was watching on the O.C. It's definitely <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Yeah, yeah. No, the people across the hall did dip. So, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing seeing that type of thing. And so we are in the the dining halls in University of Georgia award winning, mm-hmm. like like the best food. You know, we have one dining hall that's 24 hours. Just food at any time, just you know, pushing those metabolisms to the limit. Sure. <laughs> so we get there and and at breakfast sometimes they have biscuits, but then they have white gravy. Yeah. Like, and that was my first time eating it, and it was good. I liked it. Yeah, and so then yeah. I I feel like we went to Crackle Barrel or something with my mom one time. She came in town, we went to Crackle Barrel and I had sausage gravy with my biscuit, and you would have oh. thought... You would have thought I had, like, a Nazi tattoo or something. You would have thought I had, like, like something crazy happen. She just, like, was so mad, and she was like, you know, you're not supposed to be eating a white <laughs> gravy. And I'm like, what? I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And so then... And my sister was like, "Yeah, you know, you're not supposed to be eating white gravy. Like, <laughs> you know, like I might as well have brought a white girl home. Like, like that, sure. that's that's how they were treating me. They were acting like I, I betrayed my race by bringing white gravy.
3: Well, into I, my I, breakfast. there, there's so much here that I love because." <laughs> because in in a beautiful way you went off to college to better yourself do you know what i mean you went mm-hmm. off to to go get the education that i imagine your parents worked very hard to encourage you to get and and provide for you and all the things you go off to college they're 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 sitting at home and they're thinking our our sweet boy our our lovely our sweet boy he's done it he's he's finally made it and and you're secretly at college eating the devil's the devil's <laughs> topping you know you're just you're just dipping biscuits in the devil's juice and mm. and unbeknownst to your mother who then takes you to Cracker Barrel which already is a problematic <laughs> position for her to take if she's worried about you my mom le-
4: loves Cracker Barrel to hate white <laughs> gravy and love Cracker Barrel like there's a picture of us it's on IG somewhere we're in rocking chairs waiting to like go into Cracker Barrel my, like we my grandmother loves cracker barrel. Like yeah. even when they like came out like, hey, there's some racist issues, we stopped going for like maybe a year. Like maybe in 98, we stopped going. And then 99, we went right back to Cracker
3: Barrel. <laughs> she took a quick respite. Just yeah. a a little break in mm-hmm. in the midst of the the developing millennium. She said, I'll I'll step back. <laughs> I'll I'll give this a second, but then I'll come back to Cracker Barrel because I can't get enough of it.
4: Once Jesse Jackson got everything straight at Cracker Barrel, we were right back in there.
3: <laughs> but, but the more beautiful thing is, she takes you to to what a, a could one could argue is maybe one of the whitest restaurants that exists, certainly in the South, and then gets angry at you. Is feels betrayed by you, even. When she realizes that you have now subscribed to some of the white dishes that this white restaurant serves. Mm-hmm. With cracker in the name. Cracker. <laughs> Barrel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so she says this to you. She goes, you know, you're not supposed to be eating that. Your, your sister says, you know, you're not supposed to be eating that. What do you then do? Do you then spit it out of your mouth and you, you say, I'll never do this again? Or you do, do you stand up for your right to eat this white gravy?
4: I just stand up for, for the fact that I it just seemed ridiculous. Sure. You know, I just was like, we eat sausage. You're cool with sausage. You're cool with sausage patties, links, however. But... For some reason when it's in a gravy it's
3: a, it's a problem. Yeah. What do you think it is? What what do you think triggers triggers her so much that makes the white gravy so offensive?
4: I th- I think that my mom is is a New Yorker. Okay. And so she she was a transplant to the South and I think she associates white gravy with the old South.
3: Oh That's Now that is a very astute observation Because Mm -hmm. I'll be honest Not having spent much time in the South at all I growing up had no I wasn't even aware of white gravy White gravy isn't necessarily a a common thing Where I'm from Certainly not in like the major cities Of like the North and Midwest Like that's not We ain't fucking around in white gravy All our gravy dark skin where I'm from You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And it certainly ain't as much of a breakfast thing as it is like uh, gravies for for big old hearty meals that ain't breakfast. For sure.
4: And I and in my travels, I have learned that people outside of the South don't know how to do white gravy. Mm. And so it's it's one of those things where, you know, if, if you get the wrong white gravy, it will turn you off forever. You're like, I'm never putting that goo on my biscuit <laughs> ever again. It's not sweet. And it's like yeah. it's not good, no and yeah, so it's it's one of those things where you gotta have the right white gravy in order to really appreciate it. I have a theory that no matter where you're from, everyone loves their trash say more i I like
3: so, this i I like so, where you're heading,
4: okay, so you know, like like you'll meet someone, they'll be from a place, and they'll yeah. be like. You well, you had to grow up with it. You had, you know, you you go to Nebraska. They're like, you ever had a runza? And it's like the sandwich. It's got onions. It's kind of like the bread is fried and everything will tear your stomach up if you didn't grow up with it. But if you grew up with it, it's great. You know, like Philly cheesesteaks. Like you know, like Mexican food out here. Like you know, like everybody has their food that you know you shouldn't be eating. But because you have nostalgia for it, you love it
3: a hundred percent and where i where I'm from, uh we used to be able to go to a corner store, buy a bag of of flaming hots, and then you could get the dude in the back to put some like meat and some nacho cheese on top of the flaming hots in the bag, so it'd just be like a pocket of Of nachoed flaming hots and you eat it with a fork and that shit used to fucking bang. You know what I mean? Like as as a young person. (laughs) Yeah, I I fucking but I loved it. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I would die for that shit and I would defend, I would defend my house and home in honor of a bag of flaming hots covered in nacho cheese and and unproofed meat. You know what I mean? But now if, if talking to a person who, who obviously didn't grow up with that experience, I fully respect that you go, Hey dog, don't do that no more. (laughs) Yeah. No,
4: if I saw that at eight, I'm like, I'm game. Yeah. You know, no, in my thirties, I'm like that, that's a bag of flaming Hots might take me out
3: now. Sure.
4: But you know, like, like in the middle of the country, they have Culver's a place that will sell you cheese curds and a milkshake. And it's like, that should be illegal. That should be
3: illegal.
4: (laughs) That literally is,
3: is just selling a cork for your anus. Like it's not, you might as well just cork your anus uh, directly and just call it that.
4: But I did a school in Wisconsin and I was like, I'm not going to be able to come to Culver's again. So I like their ice cream. I like the cheese curds. I'm going to try to do them both. And you haven't shit
3: since. I respect respect (laughs) that you took that risk.
4: (laughs) People love White Castle. I
3: love White Castle. Right?
4: Like people who grew up around White Castle love White Castle. My... Father's from Louisville, Kentucky. That big white castle town. Yeah, so I, <laughs> a I big white castle town. White,
3: white castle's huge in Louisville. Like that's what know. a sad statement to say <laughs> about anywhere that somebody lives. To be like, yeah, it's a big white castle town. Like, oh, the judgment and and just shitting on them without saying it directly that you're doing by calling them a big white castle town is mm, chef's kiss. You know but uh so i i know that love for
4: white castle but then when i got to new york it was like oh these people never had good white castle so they don't respect (laughs) it so they're not making it like oh white castle could be good you know like there's a difference between ohio white castle and new york brooklyn you know bushwick white castle
3: yes when, when we were, and you and I were in New York around the same sort of like era, when we were in mm-hmm. New York, there were like two White Castles that I at least was aware of. Mm-hmm. There, well, there mm-hmm. are three. There were two. There was one in bed There was one in Bushwick across from Legion Bar where that mm-hmm. open mic was. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there was one in the Bronx. No, it was Harlem up like when you were trying to go to the airport. You could like get off on like one of the Harlem stops, and then be at a White Castle, and then catch the bus to get to the mm-hmm. airport. All of those places. While I did eat at all three of those locations, and wow, and listen, I'm a wow. fan. I'm a fan. First, I'm a fan always. White Castle. If you want to do an endorsement with me, I'll, God damn it, I'll I'll take the minimum. I I'm just a fan <laughs> of your work, fellas, <laughs> Mister Castle. I I love what you do. That said. I agree with you, they're not putting the same effort, care, mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. into them little ass burgers and onions that you would find in a state that prides itself mm-hmm. on good White Castle.
4: Nashville, the furthest south White Castle goes, so you know, like so on our way to Louisville, go go through Nashville. That's the first time you can get the White Castle, Nashville, special—they got
3: crystals and White Castle. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's like that that meme with the Crip and the Blood tie their flags mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: that's what that is for sure, for sure. So yeah, but I when I got to to Brooklyn, I'm like, there's a White Castle walking distance from my house. Yeah, I'm gonna go there, and then um, it just I just felt the like disbelief. In, like, you, you know, you could see everything that's going on in the back, and I could just feel like, oh, these people, they don't believe in good fast food. They, don't. they can't make good fast food because mm-hmm. they don't believe in good fast food.
3: No, they think they're better than this, and therefore can't make the product that it deserves to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's, mm-hmm. it's no different, frankly, than fucking drugs, right? That like, at the end of the day, there is a difference between like shit heroin and great heroin. and <laughs> And it's neither one of them is good for you. But you want the good heroin and at least the Midwest and the South when it comes to fast food and some of the other less coveted things, they at least take the time to make the good version of the bad thing, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. But see, they
4: don't have corner stores. In New York, Mm. they got corner stores. They'll make a sandwich next to where you buy in random groceries. That's fair. And that's acceptable. But you know, in the South, if you get a hot dog next to, you know, where you buy your lottery tickets, it's highly (laughs) frowned upon.
3: Okay. So where do you stand now in the white gravy conversation. Are you still a white gravy advocate? Have you backed off of your white gravy beliefs? Where Where do you live in this whole space?
4: Okay, I, I treat white gravy like how, like, liberals with conservative parents treat their views. Like, Whoa. I'm not gonna bring white gravy home for the holidays, <laughs> you know? But on my own time, I might sneak and have some white gravy while I'm in the South.
3: Yeah. Damn.
1: Okay. But I'm not going to
4: talk about it. I'm not going to be like, you know, oh, yeah, I had some biscuits, you know, and then open the whole conversation of, oh, what'd you put on your biscuit? I'm
3: not going right. to do that. You're not you're not coming home and, like, taking a, a big stance where you're like, mom, I, I'm a white gravy man. Fuck it. <laughs>
4: yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm sick of this.
3: Accept me for who I am. I'm not going to ruin Christmas. I'm not going to do that. That's fair. And honestly, that that to me feels like the more reasonable approach to something that makes your family uncomfortable. like (laughs) Even politically, uh, socially, gravely, I think you you at some point just have to go, this is for me. It's Mm -hmm. not for them. And as long as I am not hurting them and they are not hurting me, we can live. With these things separately, they they don't have to accept every element of who I am in order for us to be able to function and enjoy each other. That's real. That's real. I think also I don't know how to make it.
4: If I knew how to make white gravy, it might be like another story because then Uh-oh. I could I could just whip some up in the kitchen and just really drive everybody crazy. But because I don't
3: know how to make it, that's, you know, that's another thing. Do you, do you think your mom has ever had white gravy? Is this like a green eggs and ham type situation? It might
4: be, it (laughs) might be a green eggs and ham sprinkled with a little, you know, civil rights movement. Yeah. And and yeah, slavery and whatnot. But, but. Green Eggs and Ham, for sure.
3: <laughs> I'm sure in, in the Dr. Seuss universe, <laughs> Green Eggs and Ham comes from a dark history of, <laughs> of abuse and fucking, <laughs> you know, genocide. There's probably genocide mm-hmm. uh, behind the Green Eggs and Ham. That Sam I Am character, he, he had a much more complicated stance than the book, I think, leads us to believe, you know?
4: Yeah, no, there's a reason why they they're making people try Green Eggs. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's a you know, like like food is is scarce.
3: Yes. A hundred percent. Food is scarce. These green eggs are all we have left and they come from a terribly dark history. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got to try them apparently. And honestly, that's how that's how they get you because they 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 trick you into submitting to what's left and the what's left. It, it's, it comes from pain. It comes from tragedy. It it comes from hurt that you can't uncook, that you can't unboil or scramble, if you will. In a box. With <laughs> <In> a box. <laughs> okay, let me ask you this question. Do you feel like your mother or your family in general have other sort of like foods that they associate with like specifically white people that they would be equally sort of flabbergasted by you choosing to, to like eat or introduce to the family?
5: Mm,
4: I don't know. I can't think of another, damn another instance. I'm trying to think of other foods. This is the one I've, there's my, my family's really like, that's the thing. We're like, we're, the, we're not that family like we're not that like my mom makes casseroles oh <laughs> like like of all the people in the world like this is where she draws the line but you know <laughs> she's she's flirting with some some <laughs> some stereotypes that that are not with black people like my yeah. mom makes green bean casserole sometimes wow yeah. yeah
3: i've never had that from a black person yeah,
4: yeah. I, I never understood it. spinach casserole. It's like with, like all casseroles to me are the same. They just take a vegetable and then make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> it looks I, nice. It looks nice, but it's like I, I'd rather just have this vegetable by itself. It's probably better.
3: I didn't grow up with casseroles. I don't know a lot about them. I did really like... uh And granted, this is worth noting, I have a a very shitty palate, right? Okay. My taste buds don't work well. I'll pretty much eat anything. I am not a particularly picky person nor a a particularly discerning person when it comes to the food that I'll put in my mouth. But I did genuinely love, like, Tuna Helper. And I feel like Tuna Helper was as close to a casserole as my family could find itself. You know what I mean? It's essentially mm-hmm. casserole. It's just now in a box. And most people would be like, you should kill yourself for eating that. And I'd be like, as long as I'm buried with some tuna casserole, I kill myself <laughs> right now. <laughs> tuna helper, man. Yeah. I don't what so what
4: is tuna helper? Is it you it's, put it with the tuna or um, it, it's its own thing?
3: No, it's it's an offshoot of hamburger helper. It was hamburger helper being like We killed the game on hamburger. Now let's fuck around in other meats. Oh, and then they they use tuna fish and much in the way that you would with with hamburger helper. You're basically uh, you're mixing their uh, seasonings and pre ingredients with the meat that you purchase to create a noodle slash meat casserole to serve to unsuspecting victims. Okay. Okay. This sounds smelly.
4: It sounds like it doesn't (laughs) smell good, but I've definitely had hamburger helper. We definitely grew up with the glove for sure. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I I didn't go that far into the into the tuna helper.
3: things. if you're not in the helper multiverse, what are you doing? You know. It truly, it's, it's a delightful meal if you uh, don't have great standards for what a good meal is. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me ask you this last question, then we'll go to break. Do you feel like your mother in any way has changed? Because you're telling me this happened when you were in college. This mm-hmm. was, so I assume at least a decade ago that mm-hmm. that this experience happened. Do you feel like there's any chance that your mother has has come around to now appreciate or at least respect white gravy differently than she did before?
4: I mean, I think she knows it won't kill you, because mm. I'm I'm around. But other than that, I think, you know, I don't think my mom will ever, ever eat white gravy. I think it it's a wrap. Damn. You know, I don't I don't really know the origin. Like I don't know you know, what happened to her or what, you know, if if she sees whites (laughs) only when she sees the gravy getting put on the plate or what, but yeah, I just, if there was some kind of paper bag test or something, yeah, but I just, yeah.
3: I do like to imagine your mother uh, as a young child dining somewhere with, with her family and then uh a mean white man walks into a restaurant and, and splashes her in the face with a, a cup of hot gravy, <laughs> hot white gravy, and, and that just, it marred her, it scarred her, it left her with this bad taste <laughs> in her mouth that she'll never be able to recover from, and then you, her beautiful baby boy, does the most, uh, I guess, offensive thing that you could have done by by eating the poison right in front of her. Damn, that's, that's sad. I gotta ask her. Now I
4: gotta ask her. Gotta, we gotta get my mom on the phone. Yeah, just on. ask her. Did
3: she get splashed with white gravy as a yeah.
4: child? Is that why we listen to so much Al Green growing up? Because <laughs> she can relate. He got splashed yeah. with grits, y'all. He, grits is probably far worse <laughs> than gravy. You know. I think but it's still, it, there's a I connection. think Al Green
3: will tell you firsthand. <laughs> it's way worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Rob Hayes and more My Mama Told Me.
0: Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series.
2: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
5: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S.,
3: The Schmeat is meat with this shit, bro. What the fuck? Yeah, we're back here with more Rob Hayes, more my mama told me. We're still talking about that infamous white gravy and whether or not it is in fact the, the work of the white devil, whether the white man is, is the true owner of white gravy. And if us, uh, the black people, the people of color in the world are, are meant to, to st- strictly stay on the colored gravy side of the line, that's that's the conversation at hand do you think that that are other races struggling with this same conversation i said people of color but i don't know if this is like our our you know what i mean are there brown people wondering if they they too need to avoid white gravy because of the white man's influence
4: i don't think it's a black white thing i think i think it's a plc white thing mm. i think i think pe- people of color are supposed to have brown gravy <laughs> and 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 white gravy is is purely for white people
3: that's that's pretty fucked up i'll say <laughs> that that people of color all get lumped into a single gravy or at least the darker gravies and white people just get to hold on to an entire you know what I mean? They they got a whole little sector to themselves.
4: It's not one gravy, but it's it's one color. So mm. you know, like the gravy they put on a fu young at the at the Chinese restaurant looks That's a like gravy soul food gravy that you put on stuffing looks like you know like like all the all the POC gravy looks the same. The yeah. only gravy that doesn't look the same is sausage gravy
3: white gravy. God Mm -hmm. damn it. Okay, well, I did some research that I would love to unpack with you, and I think I hope that there's some of this that might be a little illuminating for both of us. Okay. And I I encourage you... To refute and discuss as much as you wish, because some of this I don't know is necessarily hugely even on topic to what you you've introduced, but I do think introduces a bunch of inter- interesting conversations. So, okay, it, it's a pretty hard topic to look up via Google <laughs> search. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not an easily Googleable thing. Mm-hmm. I typed in do black people like white gravy? And then it just ended up being like a bunch of fat ass Southern people saying very jarring things about how much they like putting gravy on everything they eat. Okay, everything. Like there was people talking about at one point, somebody said they, they consider gravy more of a beverage than a (laughs) topping.
4: That's scary.
3: Yeah. That's scary. I didn't care for it at all. I've I had I felt sick. I had to walk away and then I came back. Not new, but but different for sure. Cause once gravy cools, it's it's a different thing. It's no longer liquid. Yeah. (laughs) And if it congeals and starts to to separate. To separate, yeah. But somebody's drinking it anyway. There does seem to be and this, this starts to get into some of the, the history of this whole white gravy thing. There does seem to be an actual origin of sausage gravy, which I didn't realize. They, they've traced the actual origin of sausage gravy to southern Appalachia in the late 1800s, Civil War time. You know what mm. I mean? Right around them Civil War times, okay. them whiteies came up with white gravy. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. It was originally apparently called sawmill gravy because it was cheap and calorie dense and an easy go-to meal to feed the sawmill workers of the area. Particularly, they would be, you know, having to, to spend all day carrying this lumber and, and doing all this shit to, to make sure that Black people uh, stayed, I guess, as property Okay. and, you know, they had to be fed. And so an easy way to feed them was with with thick ass bread and an an additional like topping of gravy, which was easy to make and it would fill them up for the day. Remind me, what is the sawmill? Uh sawmill I I believe refers to basically just the the lumber. Like okay. that's where they, they okay. like make lumber and saw it okay. and turn it into other shit. Got you. Plantation wood. Hell yeah. I <laughs> I I also could be very wrong, Ron. I'm I am uh, what's known as almost smart. I, I don't actually know some stuff, and I just talk in a way that makes me seem like I might actually know what I'm talking you about. You have me fooled. You know, <laughs> I, I always
4: I always default to you. I, when I'm around Langston, it's always like, all right, well, Langston's
3: a smart guy. Nah, man. He says it's fake. I I say a lot of stupid stuff. I got in an <laughs> argument the other day with, with a few friends because... I didn't realize that babies are, are born in a sack. Do you know what I mean? Like, we were having an argument where, where it was suggested that some babies can come out in the sack that's inside the mother's womb. And I, w- I was very defiant. I said, no, there is no sack. The womb is the sack. What the fuck are you all talking about? And then we looked it up, and there is, in fact, a sack that's connected to the placenta. That sort of is what the baby lives in. And it's true. Some babies do come out in the sack. And I think that's where serial killers come from. That's what the stork is holding on to. <laughs> that baby sack.
4: The oh slurred. that's a
3: that's a real <laughs> fucked up image. If if you look up baby sack, you, you're not gonna like that bit in your head anymore.
4: <laughs> I'm not gonna look up baby sack right now just because of what else might pop up. But uh,
3: sure. <laughs>
4: on, my, on my own dark mode, I might look up baby sack.
3: You look up baby sack, you're going to jail, playboy. <laughs> so one of the more fascinating parts of all of this that that I didn't realize is that The gravy seems to have not been only a function of adding calories to a meal, but it also seems to have been a way of softening the very thick bread of this time. Because apparently the first biscuits of America, the first biscuits that were being made at this time, were much denser and sturdier than the biscuits that we find in a restaurant today. They were Mm. thick, like dumb thick. Mmm, so so Popeyes
4: is keeping it like OG.
3: Oh, yeah, Popeyes is like, we ain't <laughs> we ain't changed the game once.
4: <laughs> yeah, Popeye's taking it back to the sawmill.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and like if this was good enough to feed the sawmill boys, this is good enough to feed your black ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Enjoy our thick biscuits. So the these biscuits that I'm referring to were originally known as beaten biscuits, right? Beaten biscuits because they got their leavening from being vigorously beaten and folded. Sometimes it would take an entire hour just to be able to beat the dough into something usable to be able to turn into biscuits. So it required a shit ton of labor and you guessed it, Rob, who do you think was responsible? For doing that super taxing labor. The
4: Pillsbury Doughboy.
3: Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> very different colored Pillsbury Doughboy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they did oh, call him no. boy, but it wasn't, oh, he wasn't no. no Pillsbury.
3: <laughs> it's it was slaves, slaves. Damn. Niggas were responsible for this very physical labor. And they were the ones that were making these beaten biscuits. Now, here's where it gets even crazier, because these beaten biscuits are being made by slaves, then the Civil War happens, then the 13th Amendment kicks in, and it's no longer reasonable, right, to keep slaves. Mm -hmm. They're very upset about that. And then white people basically say that, and this is a a real thing that was quoted from some book that some very smart person wrote about this, but that basically white people took the... The stance that it had come to be viewed as too burdensome to keep making biscuits. They they were like fuck this. It's it's too much work. I, I don't even want to do this shit because of how sucky the labor was. Wow. Yeah. So then, what happened to biscuits? Great question. So in 1877, a machine was invented. For doing the work that would have had to been done by black people. They basically turned, they found a cotton gin, if you will, to help leaven this bread. And it turned out that it actually made, and this is, again, a white person talking about their own invention, but saying it it saved beaten biscuits from extinction, but actually made them smoother, prettier, and more popular than before. I mean, biscuits gotta be
4: good for it to only take like 10 years before somebody's like, we gotta invent something <laughs> <laughs> to like make this easier. Like we gotta do something because this is, you know, the slaves are free, the reconstruction, they, yeah. they in Congress now. We gotta do something to get these biscuits back popping. My mom shouldn't
3: be mad at the gravy. No. She
4: should be mad at the biscuits.
3: Yeah, I think the biscuits made things a lot, pretty complicated because the gravy really was just a a response to a need that was being presented. I do love, though, the idea that there was somebody, like you're saying, uh, sitting back and thinking to themselves, you know what, man? I don't even really miss slavery that much, (laughs) but goddamn, I miss them biscuits. I miss those biscuits, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> them niggas make good biscuits. I want my biscuits back. And they built a machine to to try to to solve this problem. So they invent this machine, right? And it it starts to make me question. It it introduces a question in my mind. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because to me, the question, this whole John Henry machine versus man thing that's happening where they go, the machine finally could do the thing that no man up to that point was able to do. I don't buy that shit. A part of me starts to believe, Rob, that maybe these slaves were intentionally leaving those beaten biscuits extra thick with the hopes that their oppressors might choke to death and then they could escape to freedom before they were supposed to, if you will.
4: Oh... And you think
3: that they were being saved by the white gravy? Yes, or or not saved, but certainly uh, uh, kept in chains even longer. No, no, no. I'm saying the like the the white people
4: were supposed to choke on the biscuit. Yes, but the white gravy came in and and, and, and fucked and up the game. Save the oppressor. Yeah, exactly.
3: Damn. So, your mom might be on to something. She's on to something. Yes. It's devastating if true.
4: I was so hungry the first half of this podcast. (laughs) 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 I was going to like go get some, like, I was going to go to the store, get some biscuits, and and make some (laughs) biscuits. And now I'm not.
3: That's fair. Now yeah. you now you got to do the right thing.
4: <laughs> I got to do the right thing. I had so many carbs ahead of me before, like before you told me about the the history of this biscuit. What's this biscuit machine called?
3: I I don't know. I didn't <laughs> I I didn't the, take the care to look up the biscuit magic the biscuit, biscuit maker. <laughs> but apparently, a motherfucker b- built a biscuit machine, and and we we benefited from it somehow. One of the things that that I didn't, because I again I didn't know anything about white gravy before this. Really, I've mm-hmm. never, I've had it. I ain't really that big of a fan, but I certainly didn't grow up on the shit. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that sort of came to my mind is, what's the difference, right? Like, why is white gravy? such a big deal. And part of the reason, and this to me was a really illuminating part of all of this research, is that the birth of white gravy was largely a function of poverty. So okay. in order to make the white gravy, all you needed was the, the sort of drippings from a sausage pan, flour, milk, or water. Like it was very basic ingredients that were at that point easy to come by, especially in the heart of war times, right? And so Mm -hmm. they created this white gravy, not because it was the best tasting version of what gravy could be, but because it was simple, it was functional, it could last a long time, and it could stretch the shit out of a meal. And so in a beautiful way, it sort of feels like a metaphor for the way that white citizens position themselves in America. Do you know what I mean? Okay.
4: Because it's poverty, but it's like, hey, we not, we not, they pulling themselves up by the sausage straps.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think yes. The sausage straps is is sort Mm -hmm. of what I'm going for. I think in a way, it's them being like, yo we still continue to take pride because now white gravy is a point of pride in the south right it is yeah. a, a thing that white citizens will advocate for and fight for i read all these these different comments online where people were like white gravy is it has to be made this way it's a it's a southern staple it cannot mm. be you know ruined or, or or treated poorly whatever it is and i think they they have learned been trained to create pride where pride should not exist That this should not be a thing that you're celebrating It should be a thing that you look back and go Yo, we were being mistreated by our country We're sitting here and we're sitting here and going This is America, white gravy And it's like, yeah, America was treating you like shit, dog Yeah, but not only that It's also saying like,
4: hey, look where we came from We came from this Meanwhile, you had slaves making the biscuits
5: Mm Mm-hmm
3: A hundred percent. They are, you are, you are taking pride in something that you didn't truly create. And then the thing that you did create was mostly created because of a, a limited amount of resources provided to you by the thing you take the most pride in. It's all a sick game that's sort of being, you know, played on poor white people. And I think Mm -hmm. the white gravy is a perfect reflection of that. I
4: didn't know we was going to get this deep
3: yeah dog we My don't mind fuck mind around on this podcast I didn't know we was gonna
4: get this deep man I should have <laughs> known when I signed a release I've never signed a release for a podcast before this is amazing man this we is like Lewis Louis Gates type of stuff but about gravy
3: <laughs> <laughs> that nigga Henry Louis Gates wishes he could talk about gravy <laughs> You can talk about Nas's (laughs) grandfather all you want, Henry. (laughs) We got to get into the real shit, which is gravy. This is is I I do genuinely believe that that the white gravy, while polarizing, does feel like this really important metaphor because and this is also where it it was a, a very illuminating moment for me because I didn't realize this, that apparently. At the time, butter and syrup were far more difficult to come by in the South. And, and for specifically, you know, poor white people, butter was like something you had to really work hard to find. And syrup was like crazy hard to find. Right. And so I grew up, you know, in my world, we put jelly and and fucking butter or syrup or whatever it is on a biscuit. And for these people, they didn't have that resource. And so white gravy becomes the other option. I might be
4: converted, man. I might be converted. I might not ever have white gravy again. I feel
3: like, I feel bad, <laughs> yo. I feel like crazy. Hey, man, your mother, your mother, <laughs> she sat you down. She tried to talk to you and, and put something mention. in your head and you you let that slip past. And And you need to apologize to her. You need to call her and say, I'm sorry, mom. I, I was bugging on this whole white gravy position.
4: I forgot to mention, my mom's a history teacher.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she kind of knew ahead of time.
4: She might already knew. She might know what the <laughs> machine's called and everything, man. Like, yo, everybody <laughs> listening, call your mom, man. For real. I she love that this- you're
3: like, I forgot to mention, my mom uh, <laughs> specifically studied the uh, biscuit machine. <laughs> She went. She got a master's degree in biscuit machine uh, the, of 1888.
4: So her yeah, thesis was biscuit machine. I
0: forgot
3: about that. God damn. Well, we learned a lot, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Rob Hayes and more. My mama told me.
0: hacks is back for season three and so is the official hacks podcast in each episode hacks creators lucia and yellow paul w downs and jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the emmy-winning comedy series
3: Yeah, we're back here with more <laughs> Rob Hayes, more my mama told me. We're still talking about that devil mix, white gravy, the poison that is a perfect metaphor for the evil that white people have have continuously bought into in this country, in America. God damn it, Rob. Where are you? How are you feeling right now? Where are you? Where are you with all of this?
4: I mean, you know, I came into this podcast thinking that I, I broke the color line thinking that I was the <laughs> Jackie Robinson of white gravy and now I, I know that I, I am a traitor. I am an Uncle Tom, Damn, you
3: know, and, and what they were eating in his cabin was biscuits and white gravy. Fuck. You know what? It's, it's, I'll say this. It's hard to hear. I don't know what to say to you, so I'll just do this.
0: Come on. Hell no <laughs> to the night. <laughs>
3: I, I hope that's a, at least a little bit of solace for you to be able to walk home with. I don't know. It, this is hard. To, it's hard to see.
4: I mean, I, I am home, but I'm going to have to walk around the block.
3: <laughs> it's a lot. Oh, man. OK, If if you can find the strength, I'd love to play a game. Let's play a game. <laughs> Okay. shall we? This is this is a fun game. It's a a classic game on the show. It's a a really fun game. Let me find my drop. It's a game called Homemade Hotep. Hotep. Homemade Hotep. It's a it's a fun game where, Rob, I'm going to introduce to you a very real fact out in the world, a objective, relatively objective fact. Out in the world, I'm not going to go so bold as to say anything's objective anymore, but a pretty objective fact out in the world. And what I would love for you to do, Rob, is put on your hotep hat and just just hotep the shit out of this fact. Really get into the nooks and crannies, the secrets, the, the mischief, all the all the shit that might be hidden underneath this supposedly real fact. Does that make sense? That makes all the sense in the world. Hell yeah. This is a fun one. I'm excited to share this one with you. But apparently it is very true that during a renovation of his final home in 1998, there were apparently a dozen bodies found in Benjamin Franklin's basement that Benjamin Franklin, a man who's on a hundred dollar bill. A lot of people mistake him for having been a president of the United States. He wasn't. He just is on our money sometimes. Apparently had a dozen bodies hidden in his basement. Rob, go crazy. Okay.
4: Benjamin Franklin had hundreds of bodies dozen, in his basement. A dozen. dozen a dozen bodies yep. in his basement. Okay. I mean, that you know I feel like there's an easy route. You could already go of who of who those people are. Yeah. One thing you got to know about Benjamin Franklin is that, see, Benjamin Franklin Mm -hmm. started a newspaper, right? Yeah. He was a child. And the newspaper was anti-British. Him and his family had to flee town, go to another town. He started another newspaper. Yeah. So he was an entrepreneur. Okay. Just like Diddy when he was a child. (laughs) He was an entrepreneur. He had to go to Howard back to Harlem. Diddy made all about the Benjamins. Oh. Where's Total? Where's Mace? Where's (laughs) Loon? Where's Shine? Diddy had to climb on a lot of of, of Black people in order to get to prominence. Whoa. Benjamin Franklin had to do the same. He had a loon. He had a shine. He had a total. He had a faith. He had a baby
3: that was bad. (laughs) So so you're telling me that Mm -hmm. in essence, Benjamin Franklin has has his Babs Bunny hiding in the basement, locked up Mm -hmm. in the basement that he had to Mm -hmm. bury in order to meet his Mm -hmm. greater success. Mm Mm-hmm.
4: He had to to close down things from time to time. He had a Dye Line. He had a Chopper. He had a Fred. He had a Ness. He had a Babs. He had a Sarah. He had a Sarah's husband. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He was making a band. Benjamin Franklin was making a band. Whoa. And and he had to shut it down. And that meant locking the door. And, you know, nobody could get out. Nobody could get out.
3: It was a wrap. Mm-hmm. Damn, this is because talk-
4: they they didn't want to do the challenges. They didn't want to buckle his shoes. They didn't want to. <laughs> they didn't want to walk. You know, walk <laughs> to the peach tree. They didn't want to pick peaches.
3: up the cheesecake with the with the kite and the the mm-hmm. the key on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Walk outside with this kite and this key if you want to be in the Benjamin Franklin band. Yeah. When was Benjamin Franklin? Seventeen hundreds. Hell yeah.
4: Yeah, that the seventeen hundreds line didn't want to do that.
3: So you <laughs> I don't act in the basement. <laughs> I love that. God damn it!
5: That's called motherfucking bars, nigga. Fucking you people.
3: know nothing about. That was beautiful. That. I I think I think you nailed it. You know what I love about it is that <laughs> it it reminds us that the same games continue to be played to this day. Maybe not mm-hmm. in, in saying, mm-hmm. you know, Benjamin Franklin apparently could get away with murder in a way that you and I, and maybe even Diddy cannot do Today, But Diddy can get away with a type of murder of people's career, a type of stepping on the shoulders of the people in front of him. And that's all capitalism is, to some extent, is we're all just figuring out a way to take advantage of a person for the sake of our own successes and gains. That's deep. That's deep, man. You really spit some bars today. Rob, I think we did it. I think I think we nailed the whole episode. Could you tell the people at home where they can find you and what cool stuff you have going on? sure
4: um you can find me on instagram at rob hayes r o b h a z e you can find me on twitter at Robert is the man I have an album called hazepedia it's on all streaming platforms i'm on sneak this the world's only sketch show all about sneaker culture on b r kicks and I'm on sherman showcase which you can find our old episodes on hulu. And
3: season two coming soon on AMC and IFC. Hell yeah. Uh please follow Rob. Please fuck with Snake This. It's very funny and silly. I I already told you in person. I, I've enjoyed many episodes of it. It's great. And as always, you can follow me at Langston Kerman and you can please subscribe to the podcast and leave comments and send us drops and ideas to mymamapod at gmail.com and if you live in Los Angeles or in the Los Angeles greater metropolitan Los Angeles area, I'd love for you to come to to my monthly show that happens at, at a place called The Hotel Cafe. It's in West Hollywood. It's very nice and it's a fun monthly show. Our next one will be December 15th and you should come. I would love to see your faces. Please don't disappoint me. I'll be you. Okay, that's it. Bye, bitch. Peace. I went to the last one. It's five.